0: It's my pleasure to be here this morning as Director of Alumni and Career Networks. We want to warmly welcome all alumni and families of current students, grandparents, parents, and siblings who are here this weekend. Thanks so much for making the effort to be here. Today we're privileged to learn more about a few of our many outstanding alumni. First though I'm pleased to introduce the members of our alumni board who are here on campus for their semi-annual meetings. We have two members who have completed their time with the board and we want to publicly recognize them for their years of service to GC. First, John Gingrich, class of 1967, who's back for his 50th class reunion. He's from Hubbard, Oregon, and he has served as uh, ably as our board secretary for a number of years. John, will you please stand? Next, Heike Lara, who is here with the class of 1989. Um, She is from Telford, PA, and she has a son here at Goshen College. Uh, I'm going to thank her as well. Heike Lara, please stand. (laughs) Now have the rest of the alumni board stand, please. Have all the alumni board, please. This is the entire alumni board. Thank you. I'm pleased now to to ask Josh Gleason, GC Athletic Director, to come to the stage. He's going to tell you more about the Champions of Character honors that are awarded each year.
1: Good morning. Uh, It's my great privilege uh, to be able to introduce you to 2017 Champions of Character Awards. Um, These these awards are named in uh, the honor of two pioneers in athletics at Goshen College, uh, Dr. Ruth Gundin and uh, Dr. Roman, Roman Gingrich. Uh, we are honored to have uh, Dr. Ruth Gundin with us this morning as well as uh, Sarah Wenger, one of uh, Roman's daughters, and would like to recognize them. These, these awards were created 12 years ago by the Maple Leafs Athletic Club um, to recognize former student athletes who have gone on to exemplify the NAI's Champions of Character Core Values, which are integrity, respect, sportsmanship, responsibility, and servant leadership. The two individuals uh, recognized today uh, were, were great athletes, uh, but more importantly, uh, like the two that, uh, that the awards are named after, Uh, are fantastic representatives and role models for current and future student athletes to follow, uh, setting the example uh, for how to take what they learned as athletes and use it to impact lives uh, for the rest of their lives. Uh, So at this time, I'd like to uh, have Interim President Ken Newbold come up and present the awards to Justine Pletcher and Stan King.
2: Good morning, and thank you, Josh. The recipient of this year's Dr. Ruth Gundin Champion of Character Award is Justine Clemmer-Pletcher, class of 1972. During her four years as a Maple Maple Leaf, Justine played center forward for the varsity field hockey team. Justine recalls, hockey was a huge part of my love of college, she said. I found wonderful friends, enjoyed the release from academic pressure, and simply had fun. I do not remember scores or records, but I do remember the camaraderie and sharing with my coaches and my teammates. Although no longer a sport at Goshen College, field hockey lasted for nearly 30 years as an intercollegiate sport here at the college. When Justine graduated from Goshen with a degree in elementary education, she started teaching at New Paris Elementary School in New Paris, Indiana, where her classroom guidelines were simple, treat others right and do the right thing. Justine also continued to stay involved with the GC field hockey program. She officiated a number of home games and even served as interim coach of the team for one year in 1980. After just a few years, Justine and her husband, Ken, from the class of 1970, began to start a family and she enjoyed staying at home with their two sons, Nate, a graduate of Goshen in 2000, and Todd, a 2005 GC grad, and she stayed home with them for 10 years, then returned to teaching at Middlebury Elementary School here in, Mid- in Middlebury, Indiana. Over the years, Justine has remained involved with Maple Leaf Athletics, as Ken also taught, coached, and served as the athletic director here at the college for a number of years, and both sons played soccer in their time at Goshen College. The Pletchers have also been loyal members and financial supporters of the Maple Leaf Athletic Club, the official group of DC Athletics. In 2008, Justine retired from teaching after 26 years and has since volunteered with school programs, supervised GC student teachers, and participated in children's education activities at their church. Traveling has also become Justine's first priority in retirement, especially to visit her children and and grandson in California and Australia. When she's not visiting her family, she enjoys reading, knitting, and being outside with exercise. The Fletchers attend College Mennonite Church here in Goshen. Congratulations, Justine. The recipient of the Dr. Roman Gingrich Champion of Character Award is Stan King of the class of 1961. Stan was born in Indiana, where his parents were missionaries. That is where Stan picked up his love of tennis and got a head start on it compared to his peers back in the States. When his family moved to Goshen, he attended Goshen High School, and tennis helped him make this transition back into life in the United States. His first season as a Maple Leaf coincided with the debut of the intercollegiate tennis team here at the college in the fall of 1957. And this team was coached by none other than Roman Gingrich himself. Stan was quite the tennis player. He lost only two matches in four years as a student athlete at GC while playing singles and doubles number one for his entire career. My GC experience was really important to me, Stan said. I was offered a scholarship to play tennis at Western Michigan University that I turned down, and in retrospect, was really a good idea. Stan continued his education at The Ohio State University where he received a master's and doctorate degree in plant pathology. For nearly 30 years, he worked with teams of scientists around the world to improve the health of crops and make them resistant to diseases. Stan studied crops in Nigeria, India, and East Africa, and also studied corn in Mississippi. When he stopped working as a plant pathologist overseas, Stan got into coaching tennis. He spent eight years coaching at Goshen High School. He coached the the girls team at Goshen High School and then began coaching at Goshen College. He spent a total of 17 years as the coach here at the college, where he compiled an overall record of 106 wins versus 103 losses, which is a program record for, for Goshen. Since retiring from from the college in 2015, he enjoys traveling with his wife, Bonnie, who graduated from Goshen in 1965. They travel around the world and also within the US to visit their two sons, David, who also graduated in 2000 from Goshen, and Matthew, a 1992 graduate, who are married and they have three grandchildren. Stan enjoys reading, volunteering, being active, and visiting with people. He and Bonnie also attend College Mennonite Church. Congratulations, Stan. I'm honored to introduce the Alumni Board Chair, Dan Coyne from the class of 1980, who will join us to share a little bit about the history and the background of Goshen College's Culture for Service Award, which is our highest alumni honor and the Young Alumni Award. Dan, thank you for your undying enthusiasm for purple and white, for the many ways you have helped promote the college, and for energetically helping to recruit new students to GC, and of course, for your servant leadership on the Alumni Board.
3: Good morning, alumni and guests. I have the pleasure every day of getting paid to work and teach about peace to elementary school kids in the Chicago area. And the older I get, the more I understand what I try to tell them every day, even though they scratch their heads. And I want to share this with you right now. Today is a great day to be alive. Good morning. I simply want to say that it is an honor to be an alum of Goshen College. As an outsider, as a Catholic boy from Goshen, being invited in by JLB to join this family. In fact, today, I think, is somewhat of an historical event, Ken. You may not have recognized it, but I think today is the first time in our history when two Catholic presidents shared the podium. (laughs) That's inclusion. Today is really a very cool day. We discern every year on how we can celebrate some of our alum who are really taking to heart what our forefathers gave us as a mission, and that is culture for service. We have 20,000 plus alumni doing this every day, every hour, every minute across the globe. And Dan Koop-Lichty wouldn't allow me to give out 20,000 awards today. so. Each year we try to lift up a few who model this, this phenomenal, phenomenal way to live in a broken world. And I just want to close here before Ken presents these wonderful, wonderful alumni in recognition of their service. These words from a dead man from the 1867 years. And this is George MacDonald. He wrote, he was a pastor, a tenor preacher, and he wrote this book called Unspoken Sermons. And it's kind of cool. One of them, he says this, for to embrace is the necessity of our deepest being. We humans, we embrace. We celebrate today our fellow alumni who have embraced our world to help improve it. President Ken, thank you.
2: I'm honored now to award the Young Alumni Servant Leadership Award to Nicole Kober Bauman, Class of 2008. Since graduating from GC just nine years ago, Nicole's life has taken many various turns and twists and may actually be hard to identify a career or just one job. In the spirit of Goshen College's core values, Nicole's calling is a combination of working for sustainability, healing, community, and justice. A few years ago, Nicole and her partner, Jason Shank began Prairie Wolf Collective, a housing co-op here in, in Elkhart, Indiana, where they live in, in a land-based community with others. Nicole has also started Red Oak Farm, a micro-urban permaculture community supported agriculture project in order to address the lack of access to fresh produce in, in her neighborhood. Nicole states, So much of my learning at GC was around the interconnectedness, the interconnected nature of all things, all struggles for justice, our own inner work and building the world in which we long to live. And continues, my life reflects this as it weaves together many different areas of justice, healing, and living into this new sort of resilient world we imagine, even if we struggle within the shell of the old. Nicole is also invested in promoting Healing as a yoga teacher, a doula, a doula which is a birth companion which provides physical and emotional support. In addition to these pursuits, Nicole is active in working for justice in, in her community. Her biggest passions are fighting lead contamination in water, pr- protecting water rights, and standing alongside undocumented people. She also studies and practices nonviolent communication. In her free time. Nicole likes being near water, whether that's swimming, paddling, or hiking in the watershed. She also enjoys biking, woodworking, carving, knitting, and being in the woods. Nicole and Jason attend Elkhart Elkhart Quaker Worship Group, and they recently welcomed their first child. Congratulations. This year's Culture for Service Award goes to Sherry Greaser Hartzler, Class of 1973. Sherry has led a life of service to of others since graduating from the college with a degree in elementary education. Sherry spent 22 years working for Mennonite Media, which is now Menno Media, and for 16 years representing the Anabaptist comedy duo Ted and Lee, now Ted and Company, Theater Works. Sherry also helped start Patchworks Pantry, a food distri- distribution program in Harrisonburg, Virginia, after she and her husband, Jay, for, also from the class of 1973, and their two sons, Nathan and Philip, did a year of, missionary, of Mennonite voluntary service in uh, Evansville, Indiana. Sherry recalls, my parents modeled a life of serving others because of my educational experiences at Goshen College, especially the study service term for which I was equipped to ca- from which I was equipped to carry on that tradition. After retiring in 2013, the Hartzlers spent a year in Romania with Nazarene Missions Corporation. Since then, they spent a majority of of each year in Romania as Nazarene volunteers. While in Romania, Sherry is involved with Veritas, a Christian ecumenical organization. The agency provides programs for children, adults with special needs, elderly and teens, and a counseling center for those impacted by domestic violence. At Veritas, she coordinates Fundraising Projects is a member of the Board of Directors and provides support for the Executive Director. Her her work with Veritas goes far beyond that. She is willing to do whatever needs to be done, like spending countless hours sorting through donated clothes and supplies or leading music with several of the Veritas Veritas Club members. She also spends two afternoons a week working with children where she leads music and different activities and and shares her love for crafts. Since most of the year is spent serving in Romania, Sherry's free time comes during the summer months when she gets to visit the states, where she does enjoy baking, reading, and entertaining, and spending time with family and friends. She and Jay attend Community Mennonite Church in Harrisonburg. Congratulations, Sherry. This year's Culture for Service Award goes to Philip Thomas, class of 1987. With more than 25 years of experience in conflict prevention, transformation, and peace building, Philip has dedicated his life to helping facilitate peace and and reconciliation around the globe. Phil, who lives here in Goshen, has traveled to more than 30 countries around the world in his work with heads of state, indigenous groups, community leaders, and corporate executives, trying to encourage dialogue and peace He has worked with organizations at all levels, from the very local to international nonprofits. Phil reflects, so much of my work involves me working with others, listening and understanding them deeply, recognizing and supporting them in ways in navigating very difficult conversations and complex environments so that they can recognize others and to celebrate the work that is so important to bringing peace to their lives. Phil founded D3 Associates, a consulting firm aimed at creating change in organizations, building teams and communities through collaborative action. D3 Associates provides training programs, facilitation, and other tools in these dialogues. Phil Phil also teaches occasionally uh, in the Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies program here at the college. His most recent work has been in Afghanistan, where he has supported the United Nations assistance mission, uh, mission, and in Somalia, where he offers support to the country's top governmental leadership, including the president and the prime minister. Since 2005, Phil has been working with various UN agencies as a senior consultant while also supporting different international organizations. In 2007, he co-authored the book Democratic Dialogue, a handbook for practitioners with Betty Pruitt, a project that has been jointly released by the United Development Program, the Organization of American States, the Canadian Development Agency, and International IDEA. While Phil is at home, he enjoys walking with his dogs on local bike paths and trails, as well as as spending time at local coffee shops and engaging in meaningful conversations. He is a self-proclaimed lover of music and enjoys using magic to create curiosity, wonder, and openness to the unknown in the work that he does. Phil and his wife Anna attend Walnut Hill Mennonite Church, and they have two daughters, Alicia and Sophie. Congratulations, Phil. Don't go too far, Phil. I'm now gonna welcome Nicole and Phil to come back to join me at the podium who will be speaking here this morning to share some thoughts on their experiences. As a reminder, Sherry will be speaking tomorrow morning at breakfast, so I hope you can join us for that. And the Champions of Character Awards winners will speak at noon at a special reception at the Rec Fitness Center. So please, uh, Sherry and Phil, please join me. I'm sorry, Nicole, Nicole and Phil, please join me. (laughs)
4: Good morning. It's an honor to be here with all of you and to be receiving this recognition today. Um, I want to share some reflections from the last years since being here at at Goshen College, reflections on the journey that you heard a little bit about in the introduction. Um, So starting a few years ago in midwinter, the sun's already going down long before friends and neighbors start to arrive for our monthly community meal potluck. As we bustle around the house, tidying, adding extra logs to the fire, stirring a giant pot of soup simmering on the wood stove, and welcoming in the early comers, we also begin to light a few candles. Days are short in that season of winter solstice that we're coming up on too soon in the next few months, and the long dark evenings and their need for candles start early. More folks bundle in from out of the cold, balancing babies and crock-pots and conversations as the fire draws them in close. Night has truly fallen now, and the spacious downstairs of Red Oak Community House is full of friends new and old, bathed in the soothing glow of our latest batch of beeswax candles. We gather to introduce ourselves in the steaming dishes laid before us, entering into an evening of shared food and shared community. So when we first began this visioning process around what our commitments and experiments would be at Red Oak Community House, where I live in Elkhart, using only candles for light was primarily an ecological decision. Doing so grew out of our desire to reduce our use of and dependency on non-renewable energy. And although this motivation continues to be strong, after two and a half years of candlelit living, We're pleasantly surprised to be deepening into an abundance of reasons that keep us committed to this particular piece of our experiment. First, just like a wood fire, the warm light of a candle draws us in close. We literally spend more time in close proximity to one another. And since we dip most of our beeswax candles ourselves, we notice feeling more intimately connected to the investment of time and money and other resources involved in lighting our home. These candles feel precious to be used with mindfulness and gratitude, emotions that are different than just flipping a light switch and paying a bill at the end of the month. And what's more, the longer we're in it, the more we realize how candlelight helps us lean into a radical practice of resistance, sabbath. Our pace of life has slowed considerably, especially in the winter months. We find we sleep longer and more deeply. Getting in touch not just with the rhythms of the cycling seasons, but also with the daily circling of night to day and back again. Put simply, when daylight wanes and many projects become more difficult under darkness, and since we've chosen not to have internet in our house either, whoa, it's harder to overwork and stay at a task too late into the evening. And finally, as we ourselves have gotten in touch with the beauty of the dark, Using candles has helped us invite others who've also grown up in a culture addicted to light and quite literally afraid of the dark at many levels to experiment likewise. In inviting our broader community into the unwinding, unplugging, and slowing down that happens there, we're hearing that there can be something soothing about spending time in our home. And the bigger picture of our lives includes that Red Oak Community House is but one household of a five-unit co-housing cooperative called the Prairie Wolf Collective. We're a member-owned co-op formed in 2009 in order to work towards affordable housing for ourselves and our neighbors, to have shared community space, and to live a life rooted in our neighborhood of historic south-central Elkhart. And within that beautiful container of shared life that is the Prairie Wolf Collective, the Red Oak Community House has its own sort of extra layer of intentionality and experimentation added on. Red Oak is an experiment in urban permaculture, land-based living, and intentional community, one that grows out of a hunch that resiliency for all is more possible when we're more connected with ourselves, with each other, and with the land which we all call home, and with the history of this place and this land and all those who have called it home before us. In addition to the eight other humans of the Prairie Wolf Collective, currently there are four of us living at Red Oak itself, with several other shorter-term folks who've come and gone over the last few months, Shout out here to Ben Weewee, who, who lived with us for the summer as a housemaid and intern. He's a current student here at Goshen, and recent grad, Laura Miller, who also lived with us for several months. We do have a few rooms available now. If anyone's looking for something exciting to do after you graduate, or maybe for a summer, you can come visit us. If, let us know if you're interested. Um, so in addition to heating with wood and lighting with candles at Red Oak, we're, we are also endeavoring to grow more of our own food, do lots of preservation, transforming asphalt and vacant lots into gardens and orchards. And we're experimenting with inviting others into this learning, sharing skills through workshops. We've done natural building workshops as we've built a roundwood timber frame outdoor kitchen and clay bread oven. And we're also committed to deeper connection with one another as we share regular meals, workdays, and spiritual practices. We see these, too, as part of our resistance to the individualistic and isolating elements that are all too often dominant in our society. And our experiment reaches beyond our own household, as well, as we are involved in various pieces of local and national organizing. One week this past summer gives you an idea of all the different things that are happening in and around our home. We hosted our monthly community meal, we hosted a meeting of the Elkhart Environmental Health Working Group, which is seeking to address issues of lead contamination in water in our community, including in our own home. And we've been inspired by and connecting with the fierce work of regional or- organizers in places like Flint, Detroit, and East Chicago, who are facing water crises currently, and who we've gotten to know through our connections to the Building the New Poor People's Campaign. In that same week, we also hosted a rapid response network planning meeting which is connected to local sanctuary efforts supporting undocumented folks in our communities here. Additionally, one of my own projects, as you heard already, connected to the household has been forming Red Oak Farm, this micro farm and vegetable CSA that is on vacant lots right in our neighborhood, right surrounding our homes. So we are farming without any fossil fuels and have a farm stand right there in the neighborhood and currently have our fall CSA happening. So you can come and check us out on Thursdays if you want to get some vegetables or if you want to join our CSA. So there's a lot going on in our homes and in our neighborhood and beyond. You may notice that we emphasize the experimental nature of this endeavor. We feel the weight of many complexities as we continue to discern how we might best live in what can often feel like a crumbling wounded world. We know that we continue to participate in this wounding in countless ways. We acknowledge that our current practices are imperfect, incomplete, maybe way off the mark. And yet we also feel called into bold bold exploration, called into what Joanna Macy calls the great turning, trusting that we're not alone in our desire to shift the balance towards life, trusting that we will continue to learn a great deal as the spiraling of this path continues to unfold. We trust that there are an abundance of other diverse experiments beyond our own as well, each digging in deep in their own way, and we welcome cross-pollination with that abundance. Our deep longings for rest and balance have often come up against our capitalist training in urgency, efficiency, and productivity. Where our endlessly urgent and self-important activism can often leave us feeling like we're fighting for rest, our practice of candlelight, without even really intending it, has drawn us into rest and balance better than we could have done if we had tried ourselves. So when we feel tired, as though we're stumbling in the dark, in the midst of our experimenting, our practice of lighting with candles is a slow, tugging reminder that this perhaps is exactly where we need to be. Learning to trust the beauty of the dark, the wisdom of the unknown. As we seek healing for all, perhaps we can find some by leaning into the radical Sabbath of slowing down. Thank you.
5: I, too, am deeply honored to be here. When I received a messenger in Facebook message from Dan saying that I had been selected for this award, I thought he was joking. He said, the good news is you might get the award, the bad news is you have to speak publicly. And I thought, oh, it's his brother putting him up to this weird sense of humor and having me come speak. But I am deeply honored um, to receive this award and to be recognized. It is, it is hard for me. While my work requires speaking in, in, in front of and working with large groups, speaking about myself is a lot more difficult. But here it feels like home. Goshen College is home. Goshen is home. And this, this community holds a lot of responsibility for who I am and, and, and the work I do in the world. And I'm grateful for that. I think it was Kierkegaard that once said something along the lines that life can only ever be understood backwards or retrospectively. And when I heard about this award, I started thinking back over the last 30 years of my life, graduated in 87, how is it I've come to be where I'm at? It, it wasn't my intention. I didn't set out and come into Goshen and know exactly the career I wanted or where I was heading. But as I put the dots together and I start making sense backwards and making meaning of what's my story, I, I see the roots of where I am today very much in my experience during college. Uh, if, I don't even know if culture of service was a slogan back then. I don't know when that became uh, a thing. But if one understanding of culture is our shared patterns of belief and action, our shared values and beliefs about what's good and true and beautiful, uh, then I am definitely grateful for the culture uh, I found here in Goshen that was both of and for service. It, it left that idea ingrained in me. And there's this wonderful story of two little fishes, or fish, they're swimming along, and along comes another big one, wise older one in the opposite direction. And as he passes the two little ones, he says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two little fish continue swimming by until one stops and says, what the heck's water? And a friend of mine once wrote, he says, you know, as fish are unaware of the water in which they swim, we are often unaware of the conversations in which we, too, swim that make up our world, that make up our identities, that make up what we come to believe is true, is good, and is beautiful. I was thinking, what was the most significant part of my experience in college? The content, the quality of the education was really important, um, but even more than that, I was remembering the conversations and the quality relationships I had that stand out to me, conversations that, that invited me to embrace curiosity, conversations that expressed openness uh, and humility. I, I remember taking, sec- taking sex, not having sex with my sister-in-law, <laughs> uh, and, and Willard Crable's human sexuality course. Let's just be clear on that. <laughs> But we would often joke about how great it was to have sex together with Willard. <clears throat> but Willard, Willard, those of you who remember him, I mean, he's a pillar in my life, a real hero. But Willard singularly embodied humility, and yet strength, um, honesty, and incredible openness. And in that class, he had the ability to somehow create the safety that allowed us as students to discuss things that would otherwise felt uh, undiscussable. And he made it fun. And so he embodied openness, he embodied honesty, he embodied humility. Marlon Jeske was another professor I had, and I don't know if he's here. I see him on the bike path every once in a while. He was one hard dude. Uh, he was really tough. But he was one that would say, you know, embrace the question. He would love my curiosity. It was less about finding the right answers, but just the learning and embracing the curiosity. That too has lived with me and shaped incredibly the work I do now in, in the world. And, Another one who's no longer with us is J. Lawrence Burkholder. I didn't have the luxury of having him as a professor, but I certainly did have him and consider him a mentor. Uh, both while I was here as a student and then later in MCC. And, and the way that he modeled for many of us in the Mennonite world the importance of grappling, the importance of understanding ambiguity, that oftentimes the kind of problems that we're, we're trying to address don't have easy answers. And um, Jay Lawrence embodied that. He was an intimidating figure but he loved to be invited to conversation right up until his last moments. So Goshen College left many things instilled in me and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the recognition of the award. I took a class while I thought I was going to be teaching Old Testament or something because I was fascinated with the Mennonite perspective on nonviolence and pacifism and yet in the Old Testament how to reconcile that with the violence. And so I thought that was my area of interest until my last year I took a course on conflict. And, and, and I became so excited thinking, wow, there's real concrete things we can go out and do in the world that might contribute to reduced re, reduce violence and better relationships, the whole world of conflict resolution. So I became really excited about the, being a practitioner, going out, and I wasn't quite sure what that was gonna look like. Um, but I knew I wanted to do that, and yet I was, uh, I was always very reflective in doing that. Kind of, I like to talk about myself today as, as someone who's a scholar practitioner. I really involved, in, enjoy doing the work, but reflecting on it and trying to make sense of that. After MTC, I had a number of experiences that have resulted in, in just kind of we talk about the gig economy. I've never really had a job. I've just been able to consult and work in nearly forty countries, deep into the interior of many, with the opportunity to see some of the best, most hope-inspiring work humanity has to offer, and some of the darkest expressions that humanity has to offer, and some really wonderful people. So I. Uh, I receive this award, mindful that I receive it on behalf of all those other people that I've had the immense pleasure of working with. I'll share just one, exa- one, one story in, in closing that comes from Afghanistan that kind of embodies my simplistic equation about how to affect change in the world. And, and that is simply paying attention to the water in which we swim. That is shifting the conversations, how we show up when we talk to each other every day because over time that's what molds the social worlds that we live in. And I figure if you can just tweak with and play with the conversation, just one conversation at a time, things begin to move, albeit slowly sometimes, but they begin to move. I was invited to work in Afghanistan in 2012 and went there on a number of trips between 2012 and 13, where uh, the UN was interested in help in re- uh, around strategic planning. They wanted to figure out what is the role of the United Nations in the political mission there uh, as at that time Obama had announced that ISAF would be, re- we would be withdrawing our troops. And so I was working with uh, the head of the mission, the political mission, Nicholas Hasem, also known colloquially as Fink. He was uh, a remarkable guy, a real visionary. He was Nelson Mandela's right hand man in, in South Africa and he was heading up the mission. And so he invited me to come and, and part of the work was to include doing for the first time some dialogue work in each of the seven regions where we brought together members uh, of government, -government, anti-government, members of the Taliban, and, and women. Now the push for women, they said, no, you need to understand this culture, the kind of thing we're talking about, women can't be participating. And I said, well, you are the UN and you need to understand that you've got to respect Proposition 1325 that says any peace building work we do has to involve women, we can no longer sideline them. So it was interesting to see that with a little bit of a struggle, sure enough, we had women in these dialogues. And we didn't only have women in the rooms, because normally they'd be in a separate room or on the side. We had them at the table. We had them at the table with mullahs and, and, and religious leaders and those associated with the, the, the Taliban groups and, and government groups. The goal was, was just to take and, and look at what's possible at the sub-national level. That is, some of the regions in Afghanistan, the, the, regional, the region of Nationally, Afghanistan's a really tough nut to crack and regionally even tougher. But the idea is, can we do something inside of Afghanistan? And so we brought the microcosm leaders together in each of these regions. Um, Before we went into that, I was hearing uh, everything I proposed to do, they were saying, will not work. It was either too sophisticated, too simple, too culturally inappropriate. Um, They were insisting you need to quote more of the Quran because it's Islamic, and I refused to quote the Quran. Um, So everything, and finally I got on a plane. I had no plan. And I got there, and, the UN, and what was happening is the UN was really nervous because this was the first time we were going to have this composition of people in the compound down in the bomb shelter in each of the regions. Uh, Nicholas, or Fink, finally said, you know what, just back off. Let Philip do what he wants to do. And part of this was, uh, had to do with the image of donkeys. To use donkeys is a bad thing in the Islamic context, and some of the mullahs get offended. And so they were afraid that that would be inappropriate. And I said, well, let's just see how it goes. Well, in three of the regions, it went well. Let me talk about one story in the fourth region as I end. Um, You've got to imagine that these are people who don't sit, and we actually had the tribes in the regions that were killing each other. They agreed to take three days out to come and sit inside this bomb shelter and, and not leave. These white beards, grumpy old men, they're big people too, just cold as ice. And so the challenge, challenge was how to, how to break that. And so with a little bit of magic, a little bit of humor, I, I, I like doing magic, we were able to get some headway. And it was on the second day where I portrayed this image of donkeys to talk about how we talked to each other. And before I could say anything, uh, one, of the, one of the mullahs took offense and, and said, this is absolutely improbable. You, you cannot compare humans to animals. and went off on a whole tirade. And it's being translated, but before the translation could finish, this was taking place in Dari, uh, a woman sitting next to this mullah, a woman said, you think donkeys are bad, we think you're worse. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, the mullah stood up, the women stood up on the other side, probably two-thirds of the table stood up, the translator left me, he got involved, and everyone just screaming. And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, hello, any translator? And... And I uh, thought, this is not good. So finally, I smacked the table really hard. And I said, translate this. Translate this. Here's an Irish proverb says, is this a private fight, or can anybody join in? And these beards just looked at me. And we calmed her down. And then, then, then they sat down. And I asked them, what's perfect about this? And what was really cool is they had the capacity to go to the balcony and see that what was recreated in that moment was a perfect expression of what's happening out in Afghanistan. These intractable patterns of behavior and relation and conversation. And to cut a story short, it ended very positively, such that uh, the two people, these towering figures, um, came to me and said, uh, we'd like to speak with the head of office, is that possible? Just a little context, that eight months prior to this was one area where there was a, a suicide bombing that killed eight UN staff and a number of other civilians and uh, attributed to the Taliban. And they, I said, sure. And so we went in and talked to the head of the office. And, and these guys said, we need you to know we had no idea what you were trying to do here with the UN. They were confusing the UN with the International Security Forces. And we want to say we're sorry. Did you just say that? We want to say we're sorry and we got your back. That's just an anecdote, but something happened of significance in that moment. And the one other, the one other thing that happened while we were out during a, a break, somebody came up and told me, Philip, I think you're going to like to hear this, because over there these same, the same group of people who were associated with one particular group in Afghanistan uh, were talking about me, apparently. And the guy overheard him say, now there is a friend of Afghanistan. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's shifting the conversations, and that's what I learned at Goshen College. And I think as we move our world forward bit by bit, it's recognizing in every space that we occupy, every conversation every day, is an opportunity to be either pro-social change or, or recreate kind of the patterns that are getting us nowhere. I am grateful to Goshen College. Thank you for the award.
0: very tough acts to follow. It's such an honor to be involved in, and, in an event like this and to be among people who've done so much to live our institutional values and who have served with such distinction here and in their home communities and around the world. You are all invited to a reception in their honor immediately filing convocation in the fellowship halls. I'm also excited to announce that the homecoming next year will be the kickoff, part of the kickoff in a series of events in 2018-19, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the study service term. And I also wanna make sure everyone knows that they're all invited to all the activities this weekend. Um, I want to make special note of the block party that our campus activities council has prepared or planned for tomorrow and the weather's looking better every minute, that's good. Um, and this will include Indian and Mexican food trucks, the RFC parking lot at noon, you're all welcome to join there. At this time, I invite uh, Dr. Scott Hostetler, class of 97, to lead us in the Goshen College alma mater. The words will be on the screen and they're on the back of your, your program.
5: Let's start
2: with the refrain and then sing the verses.